0: Welcome, it's Easter Sunday, the greatest day of the entire year. God has come and Jesus is alive. We've come to celebrate him today. And I'm so thankful that you are joining in. I don't know where you are, you're watching at home, you're watching your study, you're watching someplace in Tennessee or around the world, but God has a word for us today. And we come on this Easter and it's different, right? We come in a time of a pandemic, we come in a time of social distancing, Uh, We come at a time of, you know, being shelter in place. We come at a time of feeling alone. And yet what Easter shows us is this, is that we're never alone. That God is with us and God is for us. And that God has a plan for our lives. And I hope and pray you will hear this Easter Sunday that you are loved, that you are cared for, that Jesus has come for you. You know, it was 20 years ago and I was at the Music City Miracle, right? This football game that the... Titans were playing, it was a playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. And it was a miracle that the last second kickoff return and we scored a touchdown and all the Coliseum erupted and everybody's high-fiving and so excited. But the thing about that was it was temporary, right? There was a game the next week and then there was a whole nother season and another season, another season. We come today to celebrate a miracle that happened 2000 years ago that's still reverberating around our world today. Is still transforming lives. Today, over 2 billion people would say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. Praise be to God. The miracle of Easter. At Rolling Hills Community Church, we've been in our Easter series and it's called All Eyes on Jesus. And I love this series because that's our call. You know, when we put our eyes on our problems, oh, they get bigger. But when we put our eyes on Jesus, our faith grows stronger and we grow deeper in love with God We knowing that God is with us and that God is for us. Guys, it's Easter. And I pray this Easter that a miracle will happen in your heart. A miracle will happen that will change your life forever. That you will come to know the God who loves you. And you will know that he has an incredible plan for your life. It's Easter. If you have a Bible today, I invite you to open with me to the New Testament. Uh, First book, Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. 28. And if you're turning there, if you have a Bible at home, or maybe you have a mobile device and you can access at version, the whole Bible is there. There's a Bible reading plan for you as well. Also, we'll put the scripture on the screen. But Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples. He was an eyewitness to what happened on that first Easter. Now, before I jump into here, let me kind of set the background for you. You know, if you go back to Genesis and how the whole Bible started, it tells us this. In the beginning, God. I love that. In the beginning, God. You know, before everything else, that God is sovereign over all, that God has always been and he will always be. In the beginning, God. And this is in the beginning, God created. God created. And he created the heavens and the earth. He created all the world. He created this beautiful garden, Garden of Eden. And then he created man, Adam and Eve. And he put Adam and Eve in this garden and and everything was great. They were in right relationship with God. They were in right relationship with one another. They had this great marriage. Everything was wonderful for two chapters, right? Then we come to Genesis chapter three. And in Genesis chapter three, man sins. Man sins and breaks the heart of God. See, God gave them all these trees and said, you can eat from any tree except this one tree. Don't eat from this. And just like us, Adam and Eve go, that one? And they go and they take and sin enters the world. And now you have a holy God and you've got sinful man. Holy God and sinful man. But here's the good news in the Bible is that God didn't give up on them and God doesn't give up on us. We've all sinned, we know that, we've all made mistakes. But God set in motion a plan to redeem mankind and the entire Old Testament is God putting that plan into motion. God calling out a people for himself, the Israelites, and God preparing them and and God meeting them with the tabernacle and the temple and, and them coming to worship. But God was still separate. There was the Holy of Holies, and then the people were outside because you had a holy God and sinful man. But God was preparing to send the Messiah, his own son, to redeem mankind and to make a way for man and God to be back together again. And that's the New Testament. Jesus walks in. He comes into our world and Jesus comes and Jesus lives 33 sinless years on this earth. He goes around and crowds are following him everywhere. He does these awesome miracles. He's loving people. He's teaching people the ways of the kingdom of God and everything is fantastic. But then the religious leaders and the Romans start to get jealous. And on Good Friday, they nailed Jesus to a cross. They kill him. And Jesus dies on that cross on that Friday and he's laid into a tomb. And the question is, what do you do with a dead Jesus? I mean, for disciples like Matthew and Peter and James and John, they'd followed Jesus all their life. So many people believed and they saw, what do you do with a dead Jesus? A lot of people live today like Jesus is dead, like Jesus is still on the cross or like Jesus is still in the tomb. And I want to tell you, if you have a dead Jesus, here's how you feel you feel empty. You feel unfulfilled. You feel like something's missing in your life. You feel like there has to be more to this whole world, and you feel alone. You feel afraid. But here's the good news today it's not Friday, Jesus is not still on that cross. And listen, it's not Saturday. Jesus is not still in that tomb. Guys, it's Sunday. It's Easter. And Jesus is alive. And Jesus has come to say, you matter to God. And I'm gonna pay the price for you. And I'm gonna conquer death to make sure you have a way for eternal life. Jesus is alive. It's Easter. Look with me at Matthew 28. Here's what it says. It says, after the Sabbath... That's Shabbat, right? For the Jews, that's Saturday, Sabbath day. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, (laughs) that Easter Sunday, that very first one, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. So here's these women, they're going to anoint Jesus' body. They couldn't go on the Sabbath, so they're going on Sunday. And there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. You see, the Romans, after Jesus was killed, right after they killed Jesus, they put him in a tomb and they put a giant stone in front of the tomb. And then they put the Roman seal on the stone, meaning if you move this stone, you will die. And then they put guards around the tomb. But here comes the angel and he just moves the stone. You know, God still moves stones today. Stones of worry or fear or doubt. He just comes in and moves those stones. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You see, angels, you know, we think about angels as being little plump creatures, right? Who look like babies with wings and a little halo. Uh uh. Angels are warriors of light, they are warriors of God. God sends his angels and they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I love that angels say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. And then look at verse six, man. Underline, if you underline your Bible, look at this. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Just as he said. He told you, and if you read throughout the New Testament, he says over and over, listen, I'm gonna... Be crucified, I'm gonna die, but I'm gonna conquer death after three days. He has risen. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. (laughs) So the women hurried away from the tomb. And I love this line, afraid yet filled with joy. (laughs) Just underline that, afraid yet filled with joy. Afraid, like we don't understand. We don't understand how all this happened. We don't understand where Jesus is. But they were afraid, but yet filled with joy. We know God is at work. Hey, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. I know that God is at work. And they ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Now I have to tell you that I love that Jesus first appeared to women. Because back in this day, women had very little rights, very little rights. They were considered just a little bit above property, right? And it was so sad, but Jesus comes along and he first tells the women, I'm alive. God has conquered death. God has made a way for you, for women. See, I believe Jesus did more for women's rights than any person in history. Jesus tells us that all people matter to God. It doesn't matter about gender or race or socioeconomic status. You matter to God wherever you are. And we see that in Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. (laughs) Maybe you just need to hear that today. Do not be afraid. Jesus is saying to you, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Guys, listen, this is good news. This is Easter news. Hey, if you wanna write some notes down, here's some things I want you to get today. Jesus being alive means three things for us. First of all, we see this. It means that God wants to have a relationship with you. God wants to have a relationship with you. You matter to God. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, a verse you probably all know. For God so loved the world. Now you could put your name right there, right? For God so loved, just put your name right there, that he gave his one and only son, That whoever, whoever, doesn't matter about race or gender or socioeconomic status, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That is good news. Look at this. Easter is not for someone else, but for you. Easter is not just for someone else. Easter is for you, that God wants to meet you. Guys, we've all sinned. We, the Bible tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't need the Bible to tell us that. We know that. We know we've messed up. We know we've made mistakes. And every time we get serious about following God, Satan reminds us of those mistakes, right? We've got a holy God and sinful us. But Easter's not for someone else, but for you. God sent his son so that you can have a relationship with him. Jesus came and paid the price on that cross to bring together a holy God and sinful man. Jesus took our place. That is incredible. Look at this. It's not about religion, but about a relationship with God. You see religion is about what we do. If I can do enough good things, maybe God will accept me. Right? If my good outweighs my bad. Do you know almost all major world religions are about man trying to get to God. If I can be good enough, if I can do the right things, Christianity is different. Christianity is God coming to man. God taking the initiative, God coming to us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. It's not about religion, but about a relationship with God. You can't save yourself. We can't save ourselves. We try. We try to be really good, but we can't. Billy Graham knew that. He couldn't save himself. Mother Teresa knew she couldn't save herself. We need a savior. We need a savior. So God sent his son to save you. God sent his son to save you. Maybe you know John 3.16 or have heard it vaguely, but but do you know John 3.17? John 3.17 says, for God did not send his son in the world to condemn you, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Maybe you grew up always thinking that God was about condemnation. Maybe you grew up thinking that God was always mad at you. And like, when you sin, then your car's not gonna start or something, right? God's not mad at you. Oh no, there was a separation, holy God, sinful man, but God's taken the initiative to come to you. God wants a relationship with you. Look at this, number two, God has a great plan for your life. God has a great plan for your life because of Easter, Means that God is still writing our story. Look at this verse. For we are God's handiwork, can also be masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means God's got a plan for you. That's what it means. There is no one in the world exactly like you. Think about that. Out of 7.5 billion People in the world, there's no one exactly like you. You are unique. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God made you. God created you for a relationship with him. You are unique. God is not finished with you. I want you to know that today. God's not finished with you. God's writing a greater story. and God's put you in a family for a reason Maybe you're a son or a daughter, you're a mom or a dad, or you're a grandparent, you're a niece or a nephew, or you're an aunt or an uncle. You're in a family for a reason and for a purpose. You're living where you're living for a reason or for a purpose. You're working where you're working for a reason, for a purpose. And God is not finished with you. There is still breath in your lungs for a reason and a purpose. God's got a plan that's bigger than you could see. And we can live for our own plans and our own dreams. And those are so small. But when we live our lives for God, everything in us changes. We come alive. There's a joy and a purpose and a fulfillment that comes alive in us. Easter means your best days are still ahead. Your best days are still ahead. God's not finished with you. I want you to hear today from a good friend. I had a chance to sit down with Mike Fisher, and Mike's a leader in our community, and just an amazing man, and I want you to hear a little bit of his story right now. Watch this.
1: At 17, I left my home church and family and kind of comfort zone, and had to move away at a young age, and after my first year in junior, I was drafted to the NHL, and then a year later, I was had my first game at 19. Ever since I was a six-year-old, five-year-old kid, The top of the mountain is the NHL and and I was there but I wasn't following the Lord and I was discontent. I was uh, dealing with some guilt and shame and I knew the answer but I just hadn't been following the Lord. For a long time I just tried not to do certain things and I was struggling. In junior I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to cuss, I'm not, you know, but it was on my own power. never works. I struggled in my faith. I didn't have people around me. You know, made mistakes and um, had to grow up pretty quick. My cousin asked me if I'd do a Bible study. I was living with him at the time, we were really close, and um, he knew I'd been struggling. And um, even though from the outside everything's perfect, you know, playing in the NHL, living your dream, and but inside, um, just unfulfilled. And so we started a Bible study together, and I'll never forget it was uh, Luke 9 23 to 25, and it was. Just for me at that moment, and it says, "If you want to be a follower of me, you must put aside your own selfish ambition shoulder your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, uh, you'll find true life." And I was trying to keep the life for myself, and it was selfish, and I hadn't really given up my whole um, life to the Lord, and and that's um, the point where I knew I needed to just recommit my life and. Um, give everything up for him and and it took me a little bit of time to really experience God's presence but I knew there was only one thing that could really fulfill the inner desires it wasn't money it wasn't the fame it wasn't a, a game of hockey that's gonna come and go it was a real honest relationship with the Lord my dad he's always doing things for other people and I always say he's the most selfless person you know that I know he was just a great example of how to love you know my mom and seeing that as a young kid and you know just to, someone that I want to be like and because of his faith you know he pointed me to to my true father and that's what I'm trying to do you know with my sons being a dad has definitely changed everything and I want my sons to see that I have a, that I have a desperate need for the Lord and if they don't see that then why would they need that it's in the little things that how I love them, how I love their mom, um, uh, how I treat other people. I feel like I pray for patience and wisdom all the time. And you know, I, you learn a lot about yourself and uh, being a dad and thinking about the sacrifice that God gave us in, in his son and giving that up and then having sons yourself, it's, it's crazy to think about that. Would I be able to do that as a dad? I I don't know, but um, it's pretty amazing to think about and gives us a pretty amazing perspective on how much he loves us and how much we need Jesus.
0: Isn't that amazing? What God's doing in Mike's life is what God wants to do in your life. And the way that God wants to use you to make an impact if you wanna see the full story of the interview I had with Mike, you can go to our website, rollinghills.church, and you can see the whole story. Just go right there, because God wants to do a great work in you. He's not finished with you. Look at this, number three. Through Jesus, your eternity is secure. Your eternity is secure. I love this verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse one. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Through Jesus, notice this, through Jesus, you become a child of God, right? You're a son or a daughter of God himself, the creator of the world, the sovereign God, the one who sustains everything that there is. And what's the job of a father? To provide, to protect, to always be there, to take care, of their children. That's what a father does. You no longer have to live in fear, but in faith because you are a part of God's family. Maybe you find yourself living in fear. Maybe you find yourself living in worry right now and it's consuming you, but because of Easter and because God, hey, there is faith that God's got this. God's in control and I'm a part of his family. Maybe growing up, listen, you had a father and and he wasn't a great father, and I am so sorry. But don't project that onto God. Think about the perfect father. Think about the perfect one but to take care of you. That's who God is. And that's who God wants us to become like Christ. You are God's child forever. Forever. I mean, how amazing that this life is not all that there is, that there is more to come. In fact, the best is still to come. And for us to trust him, that he's got a plan for us forever. One of my favorite passages of scripture is Psalm 23. In Psalm 23, it tells us this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is, not the Lord was, not the Lord will be. The Lord is right now in the present. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. <laughs> Think about that. So often we think about all the things we don't have in this life and all the things that we would like to have. But but because God is our Father, because God is our Shepherd, because He is with us, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Do you need your soul refreshed today? Has fear or worry or anxiety taken over? Do you just need your soul refreshed He guides me along the right path, meaning he's got a plan, a direction for my life. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Now notice that, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Guys, listen, we're in a dark valley. As a nation, we're in a dark valley. As a world, we're in a dark valley. This pandemic has has just consumed us in so many ways. But I'm so thankful that it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I don't take up residence there. I don't build out camp there. I don't stay in the darkest valley. God's bringing me through the darkest valley. God's doing something bigger than I could see. God's gonna bring healing and God's gonna bring hope. He's gonna bring me through this valley. He's gonna bring you through this valley. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God protects you. God fights for you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. I love that visual, man. Just God pouring in and pouring in and just overflowing in our lives. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Look at that, forever. Hey, here's the good news of Easter, right? Jesus being alive means this. Easter is not just a celebration of Jesus coming alive, but of you coming alive as well. You coming alive as well, that God's got a purpose for you. It's a miracle that we see at Easter. You know, several years ago, we took our family on a vacation and we went and we were there, we were kind of hiking and camping out and it was just so fun. And, and my oldest daughter, uh, his name's Grace, and, and when she was about 12, when we went and she said, dad, I really want to see a waterfall. And I'm like, okay. And so I got online and I, I found where you could go and hike to this waterfall. Um, but it said for moderate to experienced hikers. And I'm like, hey, we've been hiking before. Like how hard can it be? Right. You know, and so we signed up online and we showed up to do this hike. And there was a group of about 20 people. And we get there and they're all like in really good shape, okay? And then the guide comes up and, and she looks like she just came out of Survivor. I'm like, whoa, we might be over our heads a little bit here. Okay, Grace, but I'm like, baby, you just got to keep up. You just got to keep up. Well, we did this two mile kayak trip, you know, to get to the trailhead. And, and we were kind of falling behind a lot. And I'm like, Grace, it's going to be okay. We're going to be able to do this. And, and then we start the hike in. And we're hiking and we're hiking. And, and it's starting to get hard we're climbing over rocks and there's mud and we're at the back and we're falling a little bit behind and and Grace starts to have some tears right now. And I'm like, baby, it's going to be okay. We can do this. We can make it. She's like, I don't know, dad. And I'm like, keep climbing. Come on, you can do it. And we come along and then we come around this curve and we come around and there's the guide with our group and they're standing there and there is a rushing river. I'm like a rushing river. It's about 20 yards wide and, and, and I'm looking at this and, and Grace just looked at me and goes, no way, dad, no way. And she's got little tears right there. And, and there was a rope tied to one tree on this side of the river and then tied to the other tree on the other side of the river. And the guide was explaining, you just hold onto the rope and you just go across and the water will come up to about your chest, but, but it'll be okay and you keep going. And the guide goes across and is standing over there watching and and the whole group goes across and we're the only two left on this side. And Grace is like, dad, I can't. And I'm like, baby, you gotta do it. And I wanna tell you, I'm gonna be with you. And then I told her, I said, Grace, just look at me. Just look at me the whole time. Don't look at the water. Don't look at the rushing river. You just look at me. I said, if you want to see the waterfall, we have to go through this river. And I watched as she reached up her hand and grabbed on that rope, and she reached up her other hand, and I put my arm around her waist, and I grabbed her on the rope, and we stepped in. We stepped in the river, and we started going across, and I'm holding on to her for dear life, and I, she's just looking in my eyes, and She's just holding on and we start going. The water's coming up about her chest. It's up for her pretty high. And, and we just keep going and I'm holding her, we're holding her and we get across and we step out on the dry ground and the whole group's over there on the other side. And they just start applauding like, yeah, great job. You did it. And I saw something happen to my daughter that day. She just came alive. And then we still have about a half a mile of a hike to go, but she's climbing over the rocks and over the mud and there were not any more tears. And we get to this beautiful waterfall. We swim around for a while. We, we eat lunch. And then we start the journey back. And the whole time I'm thinking, man, we got to go back over that river. I don't know how she's going to do. But this time when we come around, she sees the river. She's like, come on, dad, we got this. Come on, dad and I put my arm around her and she reaches up and grabs on and we just go straight across. We get back, we kayak back and if you ask her today, she'll say, it was one of the hardest days of my life, but one of the best, but one of the best. And my dad and I, we got so close on that trip. I wanna tell you, God is at work. Even in the hardest times, even in the darkest valleys, God promises to never let us go. He is there with us. He is there for us. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is Philippians 4. It says this, do not be anxious about anything. Are you anxious today? Are you worried today? Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, don't forget to be thankful. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And look at this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, Jesus came to bring us peace, to bring us peace with God, right? Holy God, sinful man, Jesus paying the price, bringing us together, to bring us peace in our other relationships and maybe in your marriage or your future marriage or with your family, with your kids, bring you peace and your coworkers bring you peace and bring you peace with yourself. I don't have to live in guilt. I can live in grace because God is with me and God is for me. I can have peace. Jesus being alive means that we can have peace and experience the fullness of Easter. Jesus is here for you. He's here for you. You know, this COVID-19, right? It's taken away a lot of things. It's taken away our sports, it's taken away travel, it's taken away a lot of our freedoms that we've experienced, but it can't take away our relationship with God. And it can't take away the peace and it can't take away the joy and it can't take away the family and the friends that are around us, that God has put around us, the things that God has given us that are the best, that are gonna last, that are gonna be there for eternity. And I'm praying for a cure for COVID-19. I am. I'm praying for all of our doctors and nurses, all of our medical professionals. I'm so thankful for you and the way you are serving on the front lines. I'm praying for all the researchers out there looking for a cure. And I know one day God's going to bring healing. I know one day God's going to bring a cure. But I want to tell you this, that there is a cure today for our greatest ailment. There is a cure today for our sin, for our depravity, for our brokenness, for our hurt, and for our pain. And that cure is Jesus Christ. He is the cure. Would you accept him today? Would you say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to come in. I trust you. That's what Jesus wants to do in you. One day we're all gonna stand before God, every one of us. And we're going to have to give an account of our lives. And God's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus? Did you say, well, I heard about him, but you know what? I never gave my life. I just lived my own life. I just kept doing my own thing. Or was there a time that I said, Jesus, you come in. And then God's going to say, well, what did you do with what you were given? Did you make a difference in the lives of others? Did you fulfill the potential that I had for you? Did you live out your purpose in life? You see, Jesus being alive means this, that you can come alive. See, if God can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a dead you. He can raise a dead marriage. He can raise a dead dream. He can raise a dead career. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. Why not let this Easter be a miracle in your life? A miracle that will change your life for all eternity. That you can have eternal life because of Christ. Hey, I don't know where you are today, but God does. And God is walking in right now into your living room or your study or wherever you are. And God wants to walk right into your life and into your heart. So I'm gonna ask you right now, if you will just bow your head for a moment, I'm gonna just invite you to pray. This is between you and God. Not you and anybody else that's around you right now, just you and God. Would you get serious right now with him? And maybe right now you need to say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I commit my life to you. It doesn't matter how old you are, or maybe you're a child, or maybe you're a young adult, maybe you're like Mike who's 22, or or maybe you're 55 or you're 80. Right now, today, Jesus, come into my heart. I submit my life to you. Maybe right where you are, you just need to go. I've been living in fear today. I wanna live in faith. God, you're gonna bring me through this dark valley. God, you've got a bigger plan for my life than I can see or imagine. God, you're not finished with me. Maybe right now, you just wanna pray. God, bring peace. Bring peace, in my relationship with you, but bring peace into my home bring peace into my marriage, bring peace with my family, my kids. God, bring peace. So Father, here we are coming before you on this Easter Sunday, 2020. God, we need you. You are God, we are not. And so we submit our lives to you. God, meet us in this moment and change us forever. Let us be men and women who live our lives for you, who reach our full potential. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die on a cross for us and then conquering death so that we can have eternal life. Thank you, God, for Easter. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen.